0: And welcome to today's episode of Crosstalk on the cgmradio.com network where we bring together the hosts of the CGM Radio Network to talk about the most important and pressing issues of the day and beyond. And with us today is, I think, the smallest group, but yet rather an august group for sure that we have together with me is Bob Siegel of The Bob Siegel Show and Daryl Youngblood of the newly relaunched. Faith, Reason, Culture podcast. You heard him on the last uh, Crosstalk, and he's here now. And I am Ryan Holland, uh, CEO and founder of CGM Radio, and host of World News Brief, gentlemen. Welcome back to Crosstalk.
1: Oh, talk. Always good to be here.
0: How are you? Good, doing great, doing great. I, you know, I know we have our, the respective things that we want to talk about. I'm, I'm host of World News Brief, so. I'm specifically focused on world events, so to give the listeners an idea, kind of a bit of a roadmap, what we're going to be talking about, we're going to spend some time talking about the insanity that has developed over the past several days in Israel, the the fighting between Israel and Hamas. Give some updates on that. We're also going to be talking about election fraud. If you've been paying attention to U.S. news, I'm sure you've seen stuff come out of Maricopa County, you've seen stuff come out of, I believe, what is it, uh, Wisconsin or Michigan. They're doing stuff up north. Uh, Georgia stuff's going on, and we're going to be talking about that, the Supreme Court. And uh, we're also going to be talking about the problem of evil. We're going to wax philosophical a bit here and just get into how does how is God good when he allows something like the coronavirus to ravage the world. And depending on your view of the coronavirus, if you believe the official number that about 3 million people have died from it, or if you find that number suspect, either way, people have died from it. And we're going to be discussing uh, philosophically and perhaps some theologically as well uh, how God could allow some. If He's so good, why does He allow that kind of suffering that has happened? And then, and even any and all suffering, actually. So we'll get into that. So, um, Let's start off with, I'm going to start off with, uh, I'd like to give you guys an update on what's going on in Israel. So as you guys might be aware, uh, the past few days we have seen for the very first time, really since 2014, Since the uh, Israel Gaza war back then, uh, we've seen some major uh, fighting between Israel and the Palestinians. We're going to, and specifically Hamas down in the Gaza Strip. We're going to get into perhaps why. I'm sure we probably all have a bit of an opinion on that. But there's been a major escalation. And this is from the Jerusalem Post. Uh, Three Israelis killed on Tuesday, over 800 rockets fired at Israel. Since Monday, a bus was struck by a rocket in uh, Halan, south of, of Tel Aviv. And so, uh, and this is going on right now as we record this podcast. Uh, the violence is bad and it's not escalating. And not only that, but the more recent, more recent statements from uh, the Israeli officials is that this is not slowing down. Gentlemen, this is actually it's this we could see a I believe it was a 50-day war or, right back in 2014, and we could see something like that again. Now, the the question from you know that I think about right now is why is this suddenly happened? You know, we ha- well actually before we before we get before we get to that, I, I want to give and, and this might answer it a, a little bit. We have I've got two statements here. I've got uh, a statement. I'm going to read the statement from Secretary, Ant- Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, who it's been what—and this is what the, the hard left tries to do, the, what Marjorie Taylor Greene calls the, the jihad squad, the Ilhan Omar's and so forth. Uh, the hard left, what they try to do is they try to make a moral equivalence between Israel's response and Hamas's response. And this statement from uh, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken—the only thing he said so far, as of this recording Tuesday night—the only thing he said so far about the on Twitter about this—he said, "I spoke with the uh, Gabi Ashkenazi, the Israeli uh, Israeli Foreign Minister, today about the ongoing situation in Israel, including rocket fire emanating from the Gaza Strip. Israelis and Palestinians need to be able to live in safety and security, as well as enjoy equal measures of freedom, security, prosperity." And democracy. Wow! <laughs> Thank you, Secretary, for um, for that. You literally have Hamas firing rockets indiscriminately at innocent Israeli civilians, and that, of course, a lot a lot of um, Arabs live in Israel as well. So it's not just Jews that are affected by that. And there's this morally equivalent statement, Bob. I'd like to ask you when you when you hear something like that from Secretary Blinken as you yourself are a messianic Jew, you've um you know you you follow what's going on in Israel pretty closely. What is does what a statement like that kind of speak to you?
1: Well, my first translation is we now have a weakling spineless marionette president and not the president we used to have so Hamas of course is emboldened. That would be my first translation. And we got into this, Ryan, when we were talking about the book I had written about Israel. I spend a lot of time on this in the book. I'm so tired of hearing about how we need to look at both sides. That sounds so good. And that may work when a marriage counselor is trying to get both spouses to listen to each other. But sometimes one side is just evil and one side is just in the wrong. It's not just Hamas that doesn't recognize Israel's right to exist. The entire Palestinian authority, the Palestinian charter, they have never recognized Israel's right to exist. When they talk about the land that should properly be called Palestine, they don't just mean Gaza and the West Bank, they mean that all of Israel, they want Israel removed from the map. Yasser Arafat used to walk around wearing a map of the area with all of it called Palestine, none of it called Israel. So this this is what we're dealing with here. And people do not seem to understand this, that there is going to be no peace. It was back, I believe, in the year 2005 that Israel went ahead and gave that land. They they had uh, won the Gaza Strip in the Six-Day War. We kept hearing, if only the Palestinians had their own territory. The Israelis withdrew from that territory. They put millions and millions of dollars into that for them to use. Within days, literal days, rockets were being fired. This is nothing new. Rockets were being fired almost from the moment that the Israelis turned the Gaza Strip over. And now we're telling them they're supposed to do the same thing with the West Bank. This is absolute insanity. And I don't think Israel should listen to a word that anybody says about peace. It's really none of America's business. At least with Trump, they had somebody that was sympathetic to Israel. But frankly, under any administration, it's none of our business we should just let them work that out for themselves so that's my thought and of course i have a brother and his family that lives in israel too have so, you heard
0: he, have you heard from your brother in i israel? have not i've contacted
1: okay. him i have not heard back yet of course with the 10 hour time difference uh, that could be making a difference sure. but he actually lives in occupied territory in he lives in the west bank and he, to be fair he he moved there to as a protest he He's protesting the Israeli government too, because the Israeli government will open up this new territory, allow people to settle. Then they'll come back in a few years and say, hey, you know what? We're going to ask you to pack up and get out of here because we just made a new deal. And this idea when you make a deal or a treaty, both sides, if you want to really talk about both sides, both sides are supposed to get something out of it. The only deal ever made with the Palestinians, we'll give you this, we'll give you money, we'll give you land. Oh, and what you'll give us is you'll promise to stop bombing people on our buses or firing missiles. That's the deal. Would any other country in the world make a deal like that? I, I'm just so sick well, and, and, tired and of no it. And no
0: other country in the world would be expected to, to exercise restraint as rockets are being fired indiscriminately at their citizens, like you're hearing from all over the world. And you're not getting... From the U.S. government, you are not getting a. Regardless of what you believe about the Israeli-Palestinian situation, if you had, you know, if we had Canada lobbing rockets into New York City, what would the people of New York, what would the American people expect of the U.S. government in that scenario? Yeah. They would. They Although that's
1: a, that's a more fair question for years ago. Right now, we're expected to see people take out guns and shoot police and come across our borders illegally <laughs> well and the illegal aliens don't have to be tested for covid so frankly we're we're doing something very much like that in america as it is
0: yeah i mean we are we're our policies are are of course uh, many of them are are self-destructive but it it really is it's this it's this false equivalency if you are if you are attacking a uh, Civilian areas, specifically, innocent civilians have nothing to do with what's going on with the military or anything, anything like that. You should expect a very, very strong military response. There shouldn't be a government on earth that would have a problem with that because they would do the same thing in, in those instances. Uh, and so, so I, I shared with you, Bob uh, and Daryl, I shared with you guys what Anthony Blinken said. Now I want to share with you what Donald Trump said about the situation.
1: I have a feeling I'm going to like this one Yeah, better. you're
0: going to like this one a little bit better. Um, and, Daryl, I know this isn't your uh, area of of, uh, of specialty necessarily, but feel free to, if, if there's anything you want to comment on this as well, feel free to jump in. But uh, I'm going to listen to what, uh, I want to hear what, here's what Trump had to say. And so it's interesting, uh, Trump has this, you know, DonaldJTrump.com, and he just launched this, like the desk from the desk of Donald J. Trump, which is almost like his personal Twitter feed that's on his own website. So if you go to donaldjtrump.com/desk, you can uh, you can find this and anything else he's had to say, he puts his endorsements there and, and all kinds of stuff. It's kind of nice actually. I kind of feel like we got Trump on Twitter back a little bit. Mm. but so he said this, this was today at: 254 p.m. He said, when I was in office, we were known as the peace presidency because Israel's adversaries knew that the United States stood strongly with Israel and there would be swift retribution if Israel was attacked. Under Biden, the world is getting more violent and more unstable because Biden's weakness and lack of support for Israel is leading to new attacks on our allies. America must always stand with Israel and make clear that the Palestinians must end the violence, terror, and rocket attacks and make clear that the U.S. will always strongly support Israel's right to defend itself. Unbelievably, Democrats also continue to stand by crazed anti-American rep Ilhan Omar and others who savagely attack Israel while they are under terrorist assault, mm. and that was something I actually heard from Ilhan Omar earlier. Was that that basically she won't condemn the violence on Israelis because nobody will condemn the violence on you know, Palestinians and Hamas, and and it really it really is trying to make a, a moral equivalency. It look the reality is is that there would not be fighting right now. If Hamas had not launched rockets into Israel. There would no be retaliations from Israel into the Gaza Strip. And let's not forget that Hamas, they hide their weapons in schools. Actually, you know, uh, that's a big in hospitals too. Schools, so that when the
1: Israelis hospitals they can claim they blew up a hospital. Oh yeah, it's it's
0: it's it's amazing. They they, they work with UNRWA, the United Nations Relief and Workers Agency to hide Missiles and so forth in the basements of schools, and I mean, we know they're they're anti-Semitic. Their textbooks teach Jew hatred. So, uh, so to make a moral, any kind of moral equivalence between these two groups, it's look, th- they are simply a, a terrorist group. Hamas is a terrorist group. Palestinian Authority is a terrorist group. And to treat them and and to pretend again that there's this equivalency uh, between the two is is totally false. So. Uh, that's... Well, what's
2: amazing to me is uh, through all this, you know, uh, Israel has been so advanced, they, their nuclear arsenal as far surpasses any of those countries around them. And that has always blown my mind, the capacities that they have to destroy their enemies and the restraint that they've shown. Ha- I mean, nobody looks at that. And, and you know, I don't, it, it's almost like the, that these people like, you know, these politicians don't even realize what Israel could so easily do if they ever were on the offensive they're never on the offensive they're always on the defensive they always are reactive to being attacked they their citizens walk around in fear every day but they are never on the offensive like that when they clearly if they wanted to we all know that could could i mean just inflict massive massive damage uh irreparable damage if they wanted to and they don't you know that they, they obviously uh, show restraint that the other side doesn't and they show a character and ethic that the other that the Palestinian right none of those countries do and i've just been always blown away that they're just this giant and they're and even in the midst of being attacked uh they're always they always have the high ground you know morally
0: they do they they, they do their their air force they're they're from their air force to their army to their security forces to their, you know, Mossad. They are unbelievably right. advanced, and that's they why they could wipe them out. They they could, and and that's why even countries like Iran have to be very careful because they can actually do some major damage to Iran. They've already done well, and I've mentioned this on a previous world news brief. But they took out uh, the Natanz nuclear, uh, this underground nuclear site. They. Cause power to go out, which I think is apparently going to take months to to get that back up and running, because we know that Iran is developing a nuclear bomb. They're de- they, yeah. they are they. Yeah. So are. Uh, it's and, and the and the going back into the JCPOA isn't going to stop it. They're developing a nuclear bomb, and so everyone in the region is, I think understands and i think that's also why you've seen which was a, an incredible victory the abraham accords where president trump made uh, uh, brokered these the peace deals with four arab nations and yeah. counting it actually was unprecedented. it yeah. was unprecedented bringing peace to the middle east and we know the media is unbelievably corrupt because they essentially just wrote that off and just pretended nothing happened because mainly because it was an election year and we know that they are a left-wing activist disguised as journalists. So but yeah, I agree, I agree, Daryl. Absolutely. They they could and they don't. And it, it does speak to an ethic. And I don't think any of us is saying that the nation of Israel is perfect. And I would also see also say be very careful about what the the Palestinians, what they share online and what they're claiming happened. There's this phenomenon in the uh, Israeli-Palestinian relations called, they call it Pollywood. Bob, you're you're probably uh, uh, have seen this over the years. I've literally seen video where Palestinians have faked a funeral. Uh, literally. They, oh yeah, I
1: saw that video. Yeah, you, you saw it? the guy walk right out of yeah, the coffin. He he, after fell. he thought the cameras were off.
0: <laughs> he, he fell out of the coffin, or, what, or was that what it was? He thought the cameras were off and just got out. Yeah, and so he walked
1: and he walked right yeah. out of the coffin. Or yeah. may, maybe he fell out. I, I it was years ago that I saw one of those. Yeah, two. It,
0: it was a spectacle. But that kind of stuff goes on. I, I remember even. So I actually, years ago, I went to a, a live recording with Glenn Beck, actually, up in, up in Dallas. I was just one of the people in his audience. And he told, off camera, he told a story that uh, the Palestinians uh, uh, threw a, a teddy bear, actually a messed up teddy bear, in front of Anderson Cooper of CNN. And they're like, film that, film that, film that. And and to Anderson uh, Cooper's credit, uh, Glenn Beck said that he was like, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that. But it, it's that kind, that kind of stuff that they do, where they they sta- it's staged, it's theater, it all 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 to get sympathy on on the world stage. So I, I think an applicable scripture in this situation would be, pray for the peace of Jerusalem, Psalm mm-hmm. one twenty two six. Pray for the whole region. And we're going to get into this, you know, uh, why would God allow something like this? Why would God allow, you know, uh, Jews to die? Why would God allow uh, uh Hamas neighborhoods, you know, because there there are some people in in let's say in the Gaza Strip who might not be real happy about what's going on, and but they're victims of a of an evil tyrannical government that's that's in that's in the Strip. Uh, so why does God allow all that? So we're we're gonna we're gonna get to that uh, soon. So, um, moving on from that, Bob, I know that there has been a lot going on in terms of election fraud. There's this big, uh, big audit going on in uh, Maricopa County in Arizona, uh, amongst other things. And I know you wanted to to share some about that. So, what's on your
1: mind? Well, keeping in mind now that the Democrats basically control everything and could even stack the Supreme Court if they wanted to. A line comes to my mind from a play called A Man for All Seasons. It was about Sir Thomas More and King Henry VIII. And there's a line in there where one of the king's advisors is being told by Thomas More, never tell the king what he can do, only tell the king what he should do. Well, in Washington right now, the king has been told what they can do. And basically, because of our fraudulent election, and it was a fraudulent election, who are we kidding? What they want to do now is go into some of these places where you had these cases where the constitutionality of what was going on in the states was challenged. And they're trying to remove the rights of the states, particularly in the area of ID, ballot harvesting, depending on the state. And I know whenever I express concern from this, the first thing I always hear from conservatives, oh, that'll that'll never make it past the Supreme Court because it's unconstitutional. And all you have to do is read what the Constitution says about elections. And it says it's up to the states and and not even the state governor, the state legislators. Yeah, that sounds all good, but we have a Supreme Court and a belief in, in the power of the Supreme Court to interpret the Constitution any way they want. If they wanted to come out, and say we read in the Constitution that Mars has more rights than the United States of America, people would say, well, it's the Supreme Court. And I know we have mostly conservative justices. How's that working out for us? I feel contempt for most of them, not Alito, not Thomas, but everyone was excited over Amy Coney Barrett, and look what we went through to get Kavanaugh through. And when they get there, they start drinking the Kool-Aid the conservatives who claim, they're really not even claiming they're going to be conservative. They're claiming they're going to go by literal reading, by forefathers' intent, but they tend to go more and more and more to the left. And yeah, occasionally they make a good decision, but I'm not really confident that what the Democrats are trying to do uh, won't just get through the Supreme Court. So I'm I'm very concerned about whether we're ever again going to have another fair election. Everybody in California here is excited because of the recall election against Governor Newsom. And a lot of people, Democrats and Republicans alike, Democrats are waking up. They're tired of this guy, but all that means is it's going to get to the ballot box. But who's going to be fixing and controlling the election? Sacramento. So I'm waiting for the people from Sacramento to say, "Well, It was touch and go for a while, but the people of California have spoken and chosen to keep their esteemed governor. We're just by the thinnest thread, if even that. We're no longer the United States of America.
0: Yeah, and I think that, you know, we really do hang by a thread, especially with a 50-50 Senate. I know that H.R. 1, which is the disastrous election bill that passed the house um, which would basically make legal all of the fraudulent practices and would disable uh, states like mine and Daryl State, Texas from being able to even ask for voter ID it's it's unbelievably criminal uh, but we have a 50/50 Senate and and we always hear oh
1: well Joe Joe Manchin won't go along Joe, Joe Manchin loves the spotlight and he loves the power but usually at the end of the day, after making a lot of noise, he just goes inside with the Democrats anyway.
0: Yeah. Now, the one thing that I've seen, and, and I just saw this, it apparently he's holding strong on the filibuster, and if and if he of not getting rid of the filibuster, and if he if he keeps that stance, now that's a big if. That's a big if.
1: Yeah, because we've seen uh, we've been here before. I I it, it sounds like Groundhog dated me, but <laughs> th- that would be wonderful. I I hope sure. I'm wrong, but. I don't trust that guy any farther than I can throw. I think he loves the limelight. And if he at least makes a lot of noise, he thinks he can can uh, still sell himself as a moderate. But at the end of the day, he does not usually come through for us.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I guess that would certainly be a prayer point, right? To pr- yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Boy, I, I hope I'm wrong about everything I've said tonight. <laughs> <Believe> <laughs> yeah, me. yeah, me too. I, I'll, I, I'll happily go out to dinner and eat the crow.
0: Yeah, well... You know, it, it is interesting because there, I know that there is quite a bit of activity going on with the uh, with election fraud, especially following Patrick Byrne, who's the former CEO of Overstock. I mean, he's putting stuff out all the time. A lot of it is very positive and, and very good. But I agree, it's we're, we're hanging by a thread right now. And if we don't get the election fraud fixed, then I I agree. I don't think we're gonna have free and fair elections. Yeah, I keep hearing again. of all this
1: hope. Just wait till twenty twenty two. Wait. No. Till 20- so what are you talking about? What, why would they not cheat in twenty twenty two? Just like they did in twenty twenty.
0: Yeah, uh, they very well. They very well. I believe will try now if again i'm looking at all of the swing states i'm looking at georgia arizona the other swing states and if they can if they will actually do something to to tighten their election laws and and give the power back to the state legislatures then we could then we could see some some victory but
1: uh, and we need a few states to say no to the federal government they don't have any trouble doing that when they want to declare themselves a sanctuary state so where is that same courage when it comes to standing by election integrity
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's so I I don't know. We'll have we'll have to watch. We'll have to watch and see. But I I know that there is we'll see if Arizona like let's say let's say Bob and Daryl, there's some universe in which the Maricopa County audit is finished and it is revealed that Trump won the election by 100000 votes or something of that nature. That is going to put a ton of pressure now on the other swing states. Uh, I would say probably Georgia pretty quickly, because they still have a, quote, Republican governor to, to possibly do something. I know Mike Lindell has said he is in possession of the Dominion machines. He has absolute proof of interference in the foreign elections. I saw an interview with Mike Lindell the other day, and he said that, All in a few weeks, he's going to file his case with the Supreme Court. We have the evidence; Trump overwhelmingly won, and that he expects it to be like a nine-zero decision at the Supreme Court, and Trump to be back in office (laughs) by August. You know what the
1: Supreme Court's going to do? They're not even going to take the case. They're not even going to. I know. I know. Mike Lindell doesn't have standing, and then then people can do the historical revision none of this passed the muster in the trials well they none of them ever went to trial of course they didn't pass the muster in the trials it, uh it's <laughs> like i love my i, I love mike Mendel and god bless him and all the power to him but this supreme court has already shown us what they're good why in the world would they take his case when they turned down so many others already yeah.
0: I think he would respond to that by saying because they haven't seen the evidence that he has, and it's so ludicrous. Oh, I'll, overwhelming. I'll bet a
1: lot of them had seen the evidence and they just don't want to see it. I, and I don't know how much they're under the influence of Chief Justice Roberts, but to the degree that they are, that's a bad thing because he, he feels the need to prove the objectivity of the court, and that always means going more to the left. Yeah, the it right. always means going that's to how the we the prove moderation and objectivity in Washington
0: well and there was an 8-1 decision with this kid in Georgia who was not allowed to preach the gospel on his campus it went to the Supreme Court and it was an 8-1 to decision in favor of allowing the guy to be able to preach the gospel on campus and who was the lone dissenting voice yeah
1: you just got to love the guy. And,
0: and it drives me nuts when I hear... Yeah, you he
1: claimed to be an originalist when yeah. he was going through his confirmation. Yeah, I, sure you are. Now I'll tell one.
0: Yeah, when I read on Fox News or the Wall Street Journal that there's a 6-3 conservative majority court, I just laugh, laugh, laugh. Um, I mean, you've got communists on the Supreme Court that said it was okay for this
1: guy to preach the gospel. We have John another Roberts Kennedy. Won't. Only Kennedy was at least 50-50 once in a while.
0: Right, right. Oh man. Okay, so so Bob, so the Bob Siegel's prediction. What what's your, what do you what do you think is going to happen? Let's look into the Bob Siegel crystal ball. What does Bob the, the say? Save... My most
1: the most positive scenario that I can imagine is that we have some states start threatening to secede from the union. That that's the only thing I can imagine that's going to work because Washington is broken, the Supreme Court is broken. And we're going to have to have a few states, maybe in Arizona, maybe a Texas, maybe a South Dakota, certainly a Florida, say, no, we will not go along with this nonsense yeah. anymore. Amen. And then, you know, cowardice is contagious, but so is courage. And if a few people would just take a stand, others would awaken and do the same thing. Amen. So that's where my hope is. I I wish there was something better than that, because I don't want to see states secede from the union. I don't want to see another civil war, but I don't see how it plays out any other way. And given the choice between a civil war or us just becoming Venezuela or China, I'll go with the civil war.
2: Yeah. I was surprised a few years ago. I was having a conversation with, um was a doctor, but he was connected politically, locally. And, you know, the, the topic of secession from the union came up and he said, you do realize there's like, and then there's an entire um not a corporation but but an, an entire union and group and um like highly funded in texas that is that is all based on the secession of texas from the like, like it's funded and it's been going on for a long time and i had no idea that was a a huge surprise like really and they say oh yeah i mean this is there's a committee and uh not not everybody very few people know about it, but it's very seriously discussed. It and is that yeah. that just kind of blew my mind that this actually is a something that's like on the table and it's got committee members and quite quite a, you know, decent sized group from what I understood. Yeah, and that the, was a few yeah, years.
1: the leader, although of the, as, as I ahead. mentioned once before on a cross talk, I believe we should probably not use the word civil war, even though I know I just used it. But I had suggested once that if we compared it more to the colonialists rebelling against England in the Revolutionary War, it would be a better frame of mind PR wise. I I hate to say it. Most people don't think. And so the moment you say Civil War, (laughs) the only thing people think is, oh, secession means you're for slavery. And that's not what we're talking about. So maybe we just shouldn't use the Civil War and even enable people to go there in their minds.
0: Revolutionary War. 2.0. 2.0. Yeah.
1: Revolutionary War 2 rather than Civil War 2 would be well, a much better way to sell this thing.
0: Yeah. yeah. And, and Daryl, the the leader of the Texit movement is... Uh, I, I believe that's what it's called, the Texas Texit movement. He's been going around speaking all over. I mean, this is really? a real <laughs> live movement that's happening here in Texas. He's speaking at different events and functions, and it's only going to gain ground. And guys, here's... And the more I... I think about this, and I could be wrong about this, but here is a, and I'm not worried about this, and I, and I hope there are no listeners that listen to us talk and go to any kind of place of fear or anxiety. If there's right. one thing that God has taught me through all of this is that we can trust Him, that that you know we don't ultimately know everything that's that's going to happen, but we know he works all things together for the good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. So if if you've never come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, I highly recommend you doing so, and you can read through the gospel message on our website. It's just go to cgmradio.com and click on Great News in the toolbar in the middle, and, and it takes you through just a few-minute read, takes you through the gospel. Uh, if, you know, if you do have anxiety or, or fear and anything and so forth... Uh, uh, he He's not only the solution to the forgiveness of our sins and salvation uh, from hell and entering into His kingdom, but also He He grants us great peace on this on the earth. You know, Jesus said, "In this world you have trouble, but but take courage. I have overcome the world." So I want I, I wanted to kind of predicate what I'm about to say with that because I I don't, and I know Bob and Daryl don't, or any of the CGM CGM hosts. We're not going around walking around in fear and anxiety and getting extra gray hairs or whatever because because of what's going on today. Um, we, we can trust God, and we know the safest place to be is in the will of God, to, to, to follow him, trust him, follow him. But guys, I don't see, I do not see Kamala Harris stepping down from power in 2024. Uh, I mean, I, assuming that Joe Biden will, I'm assuming Joe Biden will retire before 2024. I don't see you're doing that. And what we've seen going on in the the wokism of the military, all the top brass are on the left from what I understand I believe what's going to happen in 2024 is we're going to have uh, an election uh Donald Trump is going to win so overwhelmingly on election night that it's I don't know it's quite possible that we like could, he won overwhelmingly
1: on election night in 2020 yes, yeah well and he and would or, or, or at least sign at, off and say they're going to continue counting in the morning yeah exactly. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. well I think it's even possible either that or it's possible that Donald Trump will actually be declared the winner on that night and then what they will do is that they will say and claim there was massive election fraud. And oh, they,
1: they'll, they'll claim African-Americans weren't allowed to vote, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and They'll they, let some judge yeah, decide the election for us.
0: Yes, they will do everything that they've been condemning us for uh, they will do that then, I think, because that's if we look at if we look that's at, a Saul Alinsky
1: tactic, whatever you're doing, accuse your opponent of doing. That's yeah, actually, a Saul so, Alinsky. Tactic.
0: So so my prediction is I don't actually see the Democrats stepping down from power in 2024 if if a Republican is declared a winner, which I Trump has Trump is going to run. I hope everybody understands it's 100 percent when Trump was on the Candace Owens show. It, she asked him about running, and he said, I can't say, but you will all be very happy. A lot of people will be very happy with what I say about that. So he said it without coming out and saying it. Apparently there are some fundraising rules and, and stuff that he can't say it right now. But uh, but so he's running. And so uh, either way, whether, whether he's declared the winner or they stop the counting and pull all the shenanigans again, that I just, I don't see... People on the hard left, communists, socialists, do not believe in our constitutional republic. And and if they have the military on their side, it doesn't matter what majority— They just
1: don't care. They don't care what the Constitution says. They would burn the Constitution if they
0: could. It doesn't matter what majority leader McCarthy—I think he'll be majority leader uh, by that point, probably. What what he says, what he rants about, let's say McConnell is back as majority leader. um, I'm sorry, Speaker of the House McCarthy and the majority leader McConnell. It doesn't matter. If you don't have the military, you don't have the power. They've got the White House, they've got the military, they've got the top brass that are all on their side. Even when Trump was president, he said that, "Man, I can't get anyone to back me up." He was wanting to take the military to go out to quell the the riots in D.C., and the military wouldn't back him up. And and so guys, I I think we're in for a very interesting period of American history coming up. I think it's good to pray, but I, I don't know. What do you guys think? I mean, do you guys— I agree.
1: Scotty and the Enterprise could beam every Democrat out of Washington, and they still won't concede. Yeah, they I will don't... not concede no matter what happens.
0: Yeah, that's what Hillary Clinton said. Under so That's what she told Joe Biden. Under no circumstances concede on election night. So why should we think that somehow they're going to get some epiphany and they, they're going to do that in 2024? Uh, so I don't know. I think I think there are interesting days
2: ahead. That was the, that was the very first thing I thought when it all went down and where uh, how the blind, you know, uh, the blind eye was turned to the potential, even the potential of election fraud. And, you know, the way that it was, uh, you know, the way they just denied it, I already knew then that for them. On the other side of it, they would then be very willing to do that when it when it came to a situation to where they lost the presidency and to turn around and say, well, you did it. You know, I, I just kind of figured that was kind of part of of almost, you know, and it was it, it to me, it was inevitable. And and so you've got two ways that they would play it. They'd say, you know, we won fair and square or they'd say, well, you said the you know the election was a fraud and you didn't like us so it would almost like we would both be turning it around on one another but you know the issue will be if if it if it holds true uh the the issue that happened with Trump is they said well you didn't have the evidence well if there's a clear the, the only sign of hope here is if there's a very clear and i would i would think you know Donald Trump with his business savvy would make sure that he had this going in a way to uh, make sure that he's, you know, collecting the evidence all the way through the process, have people involved collecting the evidence of, to prove a win, then that would be the only way because that was what was used against him is well, we don't have the evidence for that. So I hope he's savvy enough. And I hope the people that are that are doing that are listening to where you got to preempt this, you got to think ahead. And a lot of the stuff that was that was done, um, you know, a lot of the votes that were done, whatever the anomalies happened, they happened in the cyber world. So they couldn't be detected. So you don't know what happened in between a physical box and an electrical signal that went to, you know, a computer to be counted. Uh, I would, uh, I would hope that everyone was smart enough to be able to monitor all that, to be able to show valid proof since that was what was used against Trump is that the lack of that proof. And so that my hope, my hope is that 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 Trump and, and, uh, and the people around him are savvy enough to be able to think ahead and, and kind of nip that in the bud and to be collecting data the entire process.
0: Well, and speaking of thinking ahead, I retweeted something at cgmradio.news. There's a, a guy named, um, his his handle is at John J-O-N, here to help. And this guy, I don't believe in QAnon. I think QAnon is a farce, but if anyone was going to be QAnon, it would be at John here to help on twitter this guy is um, amazing and the stuff that he's predicted and i want to i'm going to read real quick this will take just a second uh, if i can find the tweet here and uh oh yeah i said you know this thread aged pretty dang well uh here's what he said he's yeah, this was on july 21st 2020 he said I'm hearing some disturbing things now. The Dems' deep state intend to, quote, take the election. They know they can't win. They know the vast public opinion is against them. So they intend to just take it, claim they won. They do not have access like they did when Obama was in power. Their control over the fraudulent voting mechanisms, satellites, uh, rigged voting machines, mail-in voting, much less than in 2016-18, President Trump is doing a great job Cutting out their schemes, so they intend to just take the election. On election day and night, if their comrades in the mainstream media are uh, are going to report that they won. They're just going to flat out report incorrect numbers to solidify in everyone's mind that the Dems won. And he go and he goes on. So if you go to Twitter at CGM Radio News, uh, the the link to Twitter, you just go to CGMradio.com or CGM.news, you'll see the link to Twitter on the website. But it- that didn't happen on Election Day, but it did happen the the Saturday following the election where just the mainstream media just blanketed. And, you know, my the, the thing that I didn't quite understand was if a guy like at John here to help on Twitter knew that this was going on, and we've known about so much, and he talked about so much fraudulent election, it still seemed like they were caught off guard. Yeah. Uh, um on election somewhat act. there
1: were a lot of election watchers at the polls that have affidavits that the courts just won't listen to but certainly nobody was expecting what went on with the dominion machines and things yeah like
0: the that. Dominion-
2: but, but but you know there were in that whole process there was okay so let's let's look at something with the public here the only thing the only reason that the michaela bryant issue didn't turn into this massive riot rioting is because the public was presented with real evidence on film, and 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 it really is. We all know that this could have been the worst. I mean, this could have been far worse than um, you know than any of the other. Oh yeah. Situ- I mean, you know, just the way it came out, the way it was presented. Uh, but what was presented immediately to the public, not to the politicians, not to the people pushing this, not to the VLM people, was the public was immediately able to see the evidence. My whole point with that is through this election that that kind of information is gathered across. If you have a state that is notoriously voting this way, that is monitored, whether it's a third party to where real data can be presented the night where you get the people. And and to me, again, Michaela Bryant thing showed that the people will be okay with flat out visible, video evidence you know presented to them. And to me that's that would be one way because if there's a wag the dog scenario in our world right now where the government operates, uh in, at least in the Biden situation, based on the fear of what the people will do, what the masses will do. And we all know that's kind of what happened that's that in, in some of the some of the um convictions are either overturned or you know wrongfully enforced because of fear. And whether we ever know the facts or not, we do know that that goes on. We've heard we've heard the the, um, you know, some of the um, narratives about, well, this would be far greater. It's a far greater good if we don't have mass rioting. So we better do this. And we all know that takes place, whether we have seen it or seen verifiable proof. Well, to me, the same thing applies here. If you get immediately, if if Trump and and, uh, his people are smart enough to be able to physically, you know, have proof i think from from now they need to start that process to where if there is frauds you stay ahead of that you stay in front of that yeah. and i think he's the guy to do that
0: yeah no i i agree i see this is why it's good to have a an a, an apologist who does not normally do political commentary kind of jump in and do some political commentary so great <laughs> uh, no i think that even to
1: an apologist to talk about the evidence yeah that's
0: right <laughs> that's right a- absolutely so why don't we, speaking of apologetics and speaking of evidence, why don't we transition over into some apologetics? And, and Bob, unless there was anything, anything else you wanted to say on the election fraud?
1: No, no, I'm okay. good.
0: Okay, cool. Well, Daryl, I know you wanted to talk uh, some about the, the problem of evil and specifically related to COVID. So what were you wanting to share with the CGM audience?
2: Well, you know, when, it, when kind of, when we talked about what, what is something that's on my mind? Well, I always usually speak of things that I'm seeing, uh, in my personal experience. And, and I think, uh, Melissa also mentioned this when we were talking about kind of hot topics that were going on in the world of Christianity today. Um, you know, from everything from what happened with Robbie Zacharias to, you know, for the apologetics world and then COVID, and then just, you know, just the kind of feel in, um, in America, especially in 2012, there's a lot of bad that happened to a lot of people. Uh, there are a lot of people who lost, not only their lives and the lives of loved ones, but they they lost, you know, their um, their financial status. They, you know, uh, some went bankrupt. Worlds were completely turned upside down for people. And so in response to that, what I, you know, with what I do talking to a lot of people, I saw this wave of the resurgence, you know, you always hear uh, different objections to God, but I saw this wave as Melissa did of more people saying, why would God allow this? Why, why would this happen now? You know, truthfully, there's, there's atrocities that have always gone on that have always raised that question. But when you have something, you know, that's so profound, uh, such as COVID-19, uh, it always brings that to the surface as it did in nine 11 and so, you know, in the, in this season, here we are. We're facing this, and there's a lot of people with this question. And and you know, uh, the that topic is just at the top of the list right now. And so, you know, I just feel like it's always a good, you know, that it's always a good opportunity to discuss how, why are how do we respond to that as Christians? Why are intellectual Christians uh, not completely um, just knocked off? of our kilter from hearing that, you know, why, why are we, why do we just not lose faith? Why are, why are we not saying, gosh, you know what, that's true. And um, contrary to the belief that Christians just ignore that (laughs) and that, that you can, in order to be a Christian and face uh, tough questions, uh, tough logical questions and tough theological questions and um, seemingly logical contradictions in our belief, uh, how do Christians uh, handle that? And, and contrary to what we're told in the narrative, especially from the leftist and, and more liberal side, uh, we don't just ignore it. We don't just say have faith. We don't just pretend that, well, we just don't know God's a mysterious God. And there's a lot of Christians that do that, that say, you know, we we just will never understand God. And I know it's, you know, it's bad, but just have faith. Of course, we do that. Of course, Jesus asked us to have faith. But what I always like to present to people is, no, there is a, there is a uh, critical thinking involved. There's a logic that you can apply to this problem, which is the, um, honestly, it is the biggest reason that Christians, it's the biggest reason that people don't believe in God. It's the biggest reason that Christians abandon their faith. And um, unfortunately, what, what I hate about that is most of them abandon it based on, the fact that they never heard a proper logical answer given to it when and it's a logical barrier. And so that's one of the reasons I like to talk about it. And, you know, I, this isn't something that I just think about logically. See, I lost, a lot of people don't know that I, I suffered the loss of both of my parents. Both of them had cancer and both of them died. And I sat at both of their bedsides and suffered with them. I prayed for miracles. I thought it was coming. It never did. My mother didn't just have cancer. My mother had such severe chronic debilitating pain that she would cry to our family when we would visit her to let her die. Please let me die. Wow. Now, so this isn't just a philosophical, logical barrier for me. And so here I am somebody and they would say, well, gosh, yeah, well, how did you do that? And you might even look at me if you heard me talk and say, well, I still praise God. I still thank God. Yeah, this is the same guy who watched his mother, ask her to let him die. And yes, I'm going to sit here and tell you, I praise and I thank God. And I think he's a not just a good God, but he is a giving, loving father. Am I insane? Am I just off my rocker? Did I, did I just, you know, taste some Kool-Aid or is there something more to that? And so I went through a journey um, myself th- philosophically when I went through this and I like to tell people a little bit about it. And, and so, because I like to think I like, I like uh, to apply evidence, as Bob had said before. It's in my nature. And um, what I had found is that before this and before I went through suffering myself, I was the one who was quick to tell people, no, you know, see, this is logically, quote, logically consistent with the existence of God. And I would say these kinds of things, but I never really quite understood it but I would kind of throw in the free will notion and I kind of feel, I felt like well, that would just answer all the questions. I could throw free will at it. Um, the libertarian free will and, and, you know, kind of that would, that would kind of do the trick. But when I went through it, it, it didn't. And what I have found through going that is that this question is not answered properly. Most of the time in many churches, you have a lot of people suffering with this barrier who are, you know, not just, uh, atheists, but you're have you have fathers of families who are in church, who love church, who would love to call themselves a Christian who can't get over this. And, and I find that, and I've got pastors that contact me uh, anonymously to talk about this issue enough. If you could see my email, which I can't show a lot of it because there's people that don't want to know they struggle with this. Um, this is a real deal. So I always, I always jump at the chance to talk about it. And so, um, you know, that's one of the reasons I brought it up. Now, can you can you properly address this topic in, you know, the, the time that we have here? No, not completely. But, you know, at the very least, what I would hope people would do is, you know, I'm I'm easy to contact and I'm sure you'll post the information on there. But um, just to hear me say, I experienced this, uh, I am a logical thinking person. Uh, I'm also an emotional person, I, but I experienced it in every way. I experienced it emotionally. I experienced it personally and felt the pain. And also, uh, I walked my way through it philosophically and logically. And it, uh, actually, I was able to completely reconcile this with the existence of not just a good God, but a loving father. That, and that, uh, we that, can talk a little bit about
0: how I did that. Yeah. Or, you know. Well, real quick, before you do that, would you mind sharing... Your your website, and I'll have the information in the show notes of the podcast. You can get it at cgmradio.com slash frc as well. But uh, but maybe share real quick with anyone listening because you did a whole you did a long uh, uh, amazing and Daryl does. If you're not aware, Daryl's ministry. I mean, he does these amazing apologetics videos, unlike anything that I've ever seen. And I know you've done one on the problem of evil and suffering. So maybe if you want to share that for a second.
2: Yeah, so you can actually, uh, you can look at the, the videos that we've done, the presentations we've done on the problem of evil at rdof.org. Now that's, it's Rational Defense of Faith. So it's rdof, as in Frank, dot O-R-G, And uh, you can contact me there, uh, first of all, but you can also watch all of our videos. They're free to stream instantly. And these two videos that that tackle this topic are literally on the front page of the website. So you okay, don't even great. have to go through to the videos. They're literally right there. They're called um God evil and suffering and God evil and suffering part 2 barriers okay. to belief, breaking barriers to belief. Okay, so I know so,
0: yeah. I know so I know they're going to get a lot more uh, in-depth with those videos are obviously much longer yes. and they have more time but what would be your initial response if you had 5 minutes or a few minutes with an atheist that or or a Christian that's like I'm about to bail God's a jerk, you know, he lets all this terrible stuff go on. How are you going to respond? How are you going to respond to that guy?
2: I will respond to my first huge epiphany when I went into this because when you're when you're going through this if I was ever going to be an atheist if you're ever hopeless and you ever feel like you're just going to throw in the towel on your faith it is at the moment when you're struggling with this because in some senses it's easier to cope with because truly the doubt is God can't be good if he allows this to happen and so there's this other side of the argument that comes in and say well if God were, were to allow this then why would I want to believe in if it even if it did make sense? And so there's that there's that whisper and almost like a subset of the argument that that kind of stands on the side. And so, you know, when I went into this, I if I were ever going to be able to accept an atheistic worldview, it would have been at that time. So what I did is I read everything. And that means I read everything from Christians, Christian philosophers, but also from atheist philosophers, from prominent atheist philosophers uh, who, you know. Are who lead at colleges, you know, um, like at, you know, the university of Sydney and, and, and some of the, the main, you know, high level atheist philosopher, I, I said, I'll, I'm going to listen. I'm going to see what their perspective on this is. And the first thing that stood out to me and what I would tell an atheist is that, do you realize that, that atheists, that, that predominant Um, leading atheist philosophers do not think this is a good argument against God. Wow. That blew my mind. That's the first thing I found out when I went and I I was looking for from when I look at JL Mackey, he's a famous atheist. And if anybody's going to find the checkmate on the existence of God, it's going to be JL He's a professor of philosophy at the university of Sydney. And he flat out says this problem of evil doesn't show, does not show that the central doctrines of theism are logically inconsistent with one another. It blew my mind. I mean, this is an atheist, right? I mean, William Rowe, who's a, everybody knows this guy. He, again, would be very ready to, you know, levy an argument against a theologian that he thought would work. But he says that no one's established that this is a, that the existence of evil is logically inconsistent with God. And so this, when I was going through my journey, this blew my mind. The first thing I was hearing that was bringing me to the other side were, were uh, philosoph- philosophical atheists philosophers? They they were the start of of me understanding how this can be logically consistent with God. Atheists were, and so my 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 five minute conversation with an atheist would be: first of all, do you realize that? Second of all, why are they saying this? Why are intellectual atheists who are ready at any moment to levy an argument against God? Why are they saying this? That's the first thing I would say. And then I would go into why they do and, and their words to tell you why they don't think this is an, a good argument against God. I can actually make this argument using the words of atheists, which is powerful because you can't do that in a lot of other arguments against
0: God. Wow. No, you can't. You really, I, I imagine. So I know you've had conversations with, like this with atheists. And yes. What is the look on their what are the looks on their faces when you, when you tell them this, I can imagine that their jaws probably, you know, hit below the, the surface of the earth here. Uh, how do they, how do they respond when you tell them that?
2: The first thing is usually a criticism that I'm cherry picking in some way. He's a Christian. He's got to be cherry picking. He's, he's taken a quote. And so I will list five books for them to read from these philosophers and say, no, you know, let's, let's pause the conversation, go read these books. And if I'm wrong, I'll admit to it, but I've read them all. And uh, you know, uh, that would be the first reaction is that I'm cherry picking. The other is I didn't know that I will, ha- I want to go check this out for myself. Ne- never is there. Oh, really?
0: <laughs> <laughs> sure.
2: <laughs> it just, it just isn't just it usually isn't the way it works. I mean, sometimes it is, but, um, But what's good about that conversation usually is that it leads into the question, like I asked, why would these guys say this? What is it that's making them say this isn't a good argument? And then that actually leads into a more meaningful conversation of of applying logic.
0: Very cool. Uh, Bob, I know you are you are an evangelist. Uh, You still are an evangelist, but you were evangelist by trade for decades on college campuses around around the country. Uh, you've done formal debates with some of the top atheists. What has been, What? what's your, uh, you know, I, I'm sure you heard this once or twice, right? And how, how yeah. did you well, deal with this I question? Well, I agree. It's
1: top of the list of concerns. The other one, interestingly enough, is why would a loving God send people to hell? Yeah. And what I find fascinating is those two concerns completely contradict themselves, because mm. they're talking about why God wouldn't interfere with human evil, which causes suffering. And then they reject to a doctrine which says, well, as a matter of fact, there's going to be a judgment day and God is going to interfere with it. I remember talking to a police officer one time and he was telling me about how he can't believe in a God who will allow suffering and evil and with all the things he's seen as a police officer, but he can't believe in a God who would send people to hell. And I reminded him of a time that I saw him arresting an abusive husband and he was pleading with the poor wife to, press charges. He says, you keep dropping the charges. We've let your husband Mm. out of jail seven times. He keeps coming back and beating you. He says, I care about you. You're making my job difficult. I said, I didn't view you as a harsh police officer for saying that. I said, what a loving police officer who wants to protect this woman. So that's where I would begin. Now, when you get to the story of man's fall into sin, which is the origin of evil in our world, The way I like to start with people is I'll say the Bible does tell us why we have evil and suffering in the world in general. However, and this is very important, the Bible does not tell us why evil and suffering gets proportioned the way it does. And for those who think that Christians can never deal with gray areas and nuances, I say read the book of Job, read the book of of Ecclesiastes where the person is saying, well, what about the time when the wicked person prospers and the righteous person suffers? And it was a big mystery to them. So, and and of course, we get a sneak peek behind the curtains. We understand why Job suffered because God and Satan were making a bet. But what's interesting is Job is never let in on that. Even at the end of the book, when he finally gets an audience with God, God doesn't say, okay, you've been on candidate camera. I've been talking to Satan and I was testing you." He never hears that. Mm -hmm. All he hears from God is, where were you when I laid the foundation of the universe? Oh, you weren't there? Well, I'm God, you're man, that's your answer. So the message of Job, from our point of view, the reader, when we're let in on a little more information, the message is not that there isn't a reason for suffering, but that we won't always know what the reason is. That's in individual cases, and when Christians rush in and say, well, if only you had more faith, you'd be healed— they're doing such a destructive service. I call them Job's friends, because that's what Job's friends' is bedside were doing. However, if we want to talk about in general why we have sin and evil in the world, and they say, why doesn't God do something about it? He did something about it through the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And they go, oh, well, okay. But still, that's not going to play out until judgment day. Why doesn't he wipe out all evil right now? And I say, well, Okay, in God's eyes, we are all evil. So you want to, or at least we all have an evil side to our nature. I would put it that way. Uh, we have a good side to our nature too. But I'd say, do you want God in his wiping out all evil to start with you? So we realize that through the cross, God is saying, okay, I'm giving you a choice. Your sin, your evil can be dealt with through Jesus, or it will be dealt with on judgment day but it will be dealt with. What what becomes missing? And I, I do like the argument, God didn't create robots. He created free will. He doesn't create evil and good are not things in a test tube that God creates. They are actions. They are choices. What God created was will, personality, sentience. I do understand that when we're talking about a disease like COVID, unless we want to make the Case that it was invented in a Chinese lab by evil people. But let, let's assume for a moment that that didn't happen. When we're dealing with diseases, it, it does go beyond human will, but there's another whole realm out there. There's a spiritual world, a spiritual warfare. There are demonic beings. And we know that, not, I'm not saying in every case, but often they are related to sickness and illness. When Jesus healed people, He usually casts a demon out along with it. And there are these other beings out there, and they have an evil free will also. So that would be the element that I would introduce, because I understand we're talking about war or crime or somebody hitting somebody on the head. That's human evil done by human will. But there are natural catastrophes and diseases. And at that point, we have to get into the source of the spiritual. Warfare, But again, I would say a lot of abundant teaching in the Bible about why we have sin and evil in general, but Christians need to be very careful and not make the mistake of trying to go and explain on an individual basis why it's proportioned the way it is. If somebody's suffering, they're already suffering enough without us sitting them down trying to tell them what God's trying to teach them and and why it's happening. right? And that's exactly what the book of Job was trying to tell us.
2: I think you need, I think what's important to add to that with people is, is when you have someone who doesn't take the Bible as, so when you're talking to an atheist, using any kind of an example from the Bible can make it logically consistent within the confines of a belief to be a believer in that belief and to to be able to say, well, this is the teachings, and so they're consistent. But There is another side of that to where pure logic, without affiliation to religion or belief whatsoever, pure logic also supports this. And that is that the idea that everyone would agree, whether you're a Christian or whether you don't believe in anything, that of all the greatest of all ethics, it would be love. If we could choose something that we would say is the greatest of all things in the world, the, the greatest of all goods. I mean, I don't care who you are. You're going to say that it's love. You're going to say when you look at someone who chooses to love someone, elevating another one's needs above yourself is the greatest of all good. Well, you can completely get in. And this to me is why free will stops at a level. But when you look at from the Christian perspective, God's greatest commandments are for us to love for us to love one another, for us to love him with all of our hearts. So immediately when you throw logic into that and you understand what it is to love, what it takes to love, love can simply be defined as that those involved had to be able to choose and had to be able to have chosen. Otherwise, if you could not have chosen otherwise, you cannot have love. And so just as someone like C.S. Lewis or Alvin Plantinga would say, this is immediately If you want to have a world with love, which is the greatest of all ethics, then logically being logically consistent, you'd have to say then you have to be able a person has to be able to have chosen otherwise, you have to be able to have chosen otherwise, otherwise, love could not exist and other things could not have existed. And so that's why I like to take the libertarian free will a step farther and and actually lock it onto God's greatest commandment, which is for us to love. So he's commanding us to do something that he has to give us the capacity to do logically, because he's a God that follows laws of logic, at least in our three dimensional human domain. Uh, then that makes total sense that there would be evil in the world just from that perspective, even if you don't throw in the doctrines of Christianity and of the fall, and, you know, of Satan's choice, and even at the spiritual realm. When it comes to the the natural evil, and I, th- I think Bob's, Bob's response was really good, and it keys into something, and that is that we, the idea that a child, that is a terrible thing for a child to die of cancer, which it is, is the... The strength of that argument against God, the horns of that argument, as you would say in philosophy, the horns of that argument are only, they only work if that child is a material, finite, earthly being. If that's all that child is, because the cancer, the disease, and the physical body that's hurting is all our physical things, they're matter. If that child is more than that, and if the core of what that child is, is more than that, then that argument doesn't work if the child's existence is bound to earthly time meaning if the child's existence could have been 70 years but it was cut short to 4 years that only works if that is the measure of time that you use for the argument but if that child is an eternal being that argument does not work in that capacity either it doesn't work temporally right and so here's what you have here that those arguments against god only work if we are Time bound to Earth, three you know, based in three dimensions, sp- earthly physical beings only. But we're not, and that's the, the, a primary teaching of Christianity: is that we are not at the core. We are spiritual beings. The best way I've heard it said is that we are not spirit. We are not earthly beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a brief earthly experience. That's who we are. That is the way to look at the problem of what we would call natural evil and those arguments against god only work if we're only natural but we are not only natural we're supernatural and that is a core belief and so it it falls short also there's a lot of inconsistencies that people do when they go into this to levy these arguments against uh, god
0: hey daryl hey daryl uh before you jump into that i know bob has to run um, he's got to uh, get on another meeting, so we're going to let Bob go, and then uh, we'll wrap it up here. Yeah, Daryl. So,
1: Bob- yeah, let me just add, add one thing to Daryl. Uh, what Daryl was saying quickly, I was uh, doing an open forum out at Oregon State University a number of years ago, and one of the it was a kind of a free for all. Ask your questions. One person was having real problems with Old Testament wars because, regardless of the reason of the wars. There were children that would die as as innocent casualties. So I mentioned, well, those children would be taken into heaven and be with God. It would almost be like a foster parent rescuing them from an abusive father. He goes, oh, that old cop-out argument about heaven. I said, well, look, if you don't believe what the Bible says about the afterlife, then you can't alter the premise of your argument and assume hypothetically that the Bible is correct when it's saying that God commanded the Israelites to go to war. If we're arguing within the Bible, let's stay within the Bible. If you want to talk about the Bible in another context and move out of the Bible, then how do you even know that God existed and told them to go to war? So people altering the premise of the argument and getting away with it far too often is really key in this. Well, this is
2: the way I say it. If you're going to bring what God says, what the Bible says into an argument, then you have to accept all of what it says. You don't exactly. just get cherry pick, exactly, and and that's exact. I say that all the time, and I loved, I love that because it's so important. Once you've entered in, once you've entered in the Bible as evidence to make your your argument, then we have to look at all the Bible. We have
0: to look at all of what it says. <laughs> so Amen. I love it. Amen. Yes. Yeah. Well. Well, Bob, uh, I know you you have to run, right?
1: Yeah. Well, hey, great stuff. Uh, love what both of you are saying, and please feel free to go on just as long as you want okay. without me. You're <laughs> You guys are hot, so keep it going. Hey, no, right? th-
0: this has been a thanks, this Bob. has been such a fun show. So thank you, Bob. Thank you for uh joining You're us. You're welcome. On, on okay,
1: Crosstalk. God bless both of you. All right, thanks. Thank Bob.
2: Well so, truthfully, truthfully, uh Ryan, we could talk about this for I mean, there's a reason that I have two hour and a half events on this yeah. subject. <laughs>
0: So now, now before you know, before uh, I I, it, 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 I rudely I rudely interrupted you a few a few minutes ago to get to get Bob in cuz he had to go you're about maybe we can finish off cuz I think you were about to talk about some some inconsistencies or yes. um so if maybe you want to expound on that a little bit and then we can we can wrap it sure. up
2: It just goes it goes a little bit to kind of almost what I was saying to Bob about the Bible so uh it, it's being consistent with your argument if your argument is the bad in the world is evidence against God for being good. Any any time in logic that you're going to do that, then what do you have to consider also? Once you've brought the bad in, you, you have gotta, to bring in the good. That's right. And and so because of what you're saying is the bad in the world that has happened in proportion to the good that you think there should be, is evidence against God. Well, that also means that the good that is in the world has somewhere that it points as well. And, you know, I had, I had a, a an event and what I did is I created, you know, because essentially what you're saying is that if God does exist, he's a terrible God and, and a terrible God wouldn't exist. So if God does exist, he's a bad, evil God. And your basis for saying that is you're using the evil in the world as evidence to support that. Well, okay. The problem. So what I did is I created the hypothetical evil God named czar. And so what we did is I looked at facts about happiness, human happiness with people, how many times a a day people all over the world smile, how much pleasure the body has versus pain um, from a statistical level of, you know, the average of 80 years of life. The end of the day, we are very happy, very pleasurable people. And so if you use that argument, it fails because when you actually do the measurements of happiness and life across the entire population of the world. We're a very happy world. And so if you go down that road to argue against God, it's a failing argument because of the fact that once you enter in the bad, you have to enter in the good as evidence what of what it supports. Does that make sense?
0: Th- that makes perfect sense. And I remember yeah. when a good friend of mine pointed, out, pointed that out to me a few years ago. This was before you and I had met. And I was just like, oh my gosh, that is absolutely right. If you think about if every moment of pain, and when they, you know, evil, suffering, really they're, they're talking about pain, they're talking about discomfort. Every mo- moment of, to them, of, of suffering or pain is an argument against God. Well, most of the time we're not experiencing that. Most of the time, exactly. we're not experiencing physical pain. Now, there might be some people who may be towards their end, the end of their life, or there's a season of their life when they are, but even these days, we even have medication to help soothe that pain. And so, it's, the argument is overwhelming. Not that God is evil, but that, that God is actually, if, if we're going to take that measurement, right? I'm not saying that's a valid measurement. If we're going to take that measurement, uh, it's overwhelming that that God is good. And and it's, it's, it's incredible. So you have the,
2: you have the person who would say, I mean, this would be, be logically how it was. You're living your life. A terrible thing happens and you blame God and you say, well, suddenly, you know, everything was, was normal. You weren't blaming anybody. You had nothing to say about any of it. Um, and, and a lot of times atheists are like this. They don't really say anything about anything, but then when the bad happens, suddenly, then you start blaming God. And then there's this degree of evidence suddenly against his existence. Well, then are you going to say, well, like what you're saying saying now, that was a terrible time in my life, but now I'm going to live the next 700 days are going to be happy. Every one of those days, are you going to say, okay, well, now this day is evidence for a good God, right? Are you going to do that? Are you going to be consistent? Because on the one bad day and the one bad event, suddenly it's bad. Um, otherwise, your argument would be in order for God to exist every single day, of every second of my life has to be good or God doesn't exist and that's a flawed argument yeah that yeah, that, yeah. that that doesn't because if you break it down into a syllogism, it is if God were to exist I have to be 100 percent happy all the time. and that's a failed argument <laughs> yeah I mean, and that it just doesn't work well, and not only and, that
0: but if you if you break it down more and I maybe we can end end with this I'd love to get your thoughts on this. I know we've gone about an hour 15 but we're having fun so why not um but really let's say, Right? God removed all physical pain from the world. Uh, Yeah. Okay. So God removes all physical pain. Now you move into, but there's still discomfort, right? Mm -hmm. And then we we could say, well, if God is good, then why am I not perfectly comfortable all the time, exactly how I want? And then if you removed all discomfort, then you would have, uh, you could claim inconvenience. Uh, it's yeah. inconvenient that I have to do this or I have to do that. The
2: all close moves.
0: Yeah, th- that, yeah, it just seems like you've removed all physical pain or I'm not, you know, like kind of what you were alluding, I'm not emotionally fulfilled completely like, like I should be. Therefore, God does not exist. I, and I hope that doesn't sound... Uh, like a uh, pedantic argument on some some level but it, it just does seem like if we didn't have the the big stuff the big pain and suffering stuff there's other stuff that they could accuse god well, on well listen
2: to this listen to this the gravity of bravery is purely based on the degree of bat, uh, of suffering that you're sparing someone from right and so you know a heroic act is all the more heroic by how dangerous the situation is and how life-threatening the situation is. If such a thing as life-threatening exists, that means life loss is a possibility in the world and happens. You know, so basically you're not being pandemic with your argument because in the world that you described, if there was no suffering, then what else wouldn't you have? You wouldn't have bravery, you wouldn't have heroism, you wouldn't have self-sacrifice, right? Those right. things would not exist. And these are these are the things that make us human. Uh, they are the things that the world celebrates about the human condition, and you know this is why we celebrate war heroes. <laughs> and yeah. these are the stories that we tell. These are the testimonies that people give. These are what movies are made of. If you didn't have that, then you wouldn't you wouldn't have these wonderful attributes, the soul that you know that make us um, you know that make us wonderful human beings that 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 are celebrated yeah and so what kind of a world would that be you wouldn't you would you would have a world where it was just kind of blah well that was inconvenient but that's as bad as it gets well there's not going to be any heroes when all that's bad is inconvenience right right (laughs) Right.
0: well but but then they would come back and say what about heaven you know you don't need courage you don't need bravery you don't need anything like that in heaven so isn't the world you're describing which is just kind of blah isn't that the next world
2: there is no hope of heaven without the existence of these things preceding it. You know, our hope in heaven is, is based because of the world we live in. That is the great joy, you know, to look forward to that, right? right. There still would not be any joy in that if we didn't have the existence. And we, the best way I say it is that a fish, a fish is wet. We all know it, but a fish does not know that he is wet ever, even though we can know it about him until the moment he's removed from the water. At the moment a fish is removed from the water, then suddenly he experiences dryness and he knows and appreciates what it is to be wet. A world that has no dryness is a world where wetness does not exist. It's the same kind of thing. And so if heaven were the ultimate wetness for a fish, you know, because fish just love to be wet. Well, there's no appreciative, there's no forward looking or excitement about the prospect of a wet world. If there's no such thing as dryness. And so, That's the hope we have from living in this earthly world with the pains in it, that there is such a thing as heaven. How would we ever appreciate it if we didn't come from this world to that world?
0: There you go. Well, we've gone long, but I think it was okay because this was an incredibly important conversation to have and continue to have. So hopefully you guys hung out with us through the through the political and, and the news and got to the, the, the most important stuff, which I think the past 45 minutes or so of talking about the problem of evil. Uh, so thanks again to Bob Siegel for joining us and also uh, Daryl Youngblood of RDOF Web and uh, Faith, Reason, Culture podcast here on the CGM Radio Network. Uh, Daryl, thanks for joining us on Crosstalk.
2: Love to be here. Thank you, Ryan.
0: Thank you. All right, guys. Well, that will do it for this episode of Crosstalk. Again, make sure to find us online, cgmradio.com. You can subscribe to our shows there. And also make sure to uh, keep up with our shows, keep up with the news of the day at our news aggregator, cgm.news. And you can also email us, crosstalk at cgmradio.com, crosstalk at cgmradio.com. God bless. We'll see you next time.